Coming up this week, off screen. We open a brand new jungle book. Sharukh Khan has a fan. Kevin Costner gets criminal. Eisenstein takes a trip to Guanajuato. And Rebecca Ferguson's back despite the falling snow. All those to come and more, off screen. This is. This is off screen. Off screen. the latest film news and reviews. This is Offscreen, the on-screen radio show. Welcome to Offscreen, I'm Van Connor. My name is Case Allen. You always sound so confused when you say it. I was trying to think of a different name <laughs> I you're trying, to, you're trying to cut your usual funny riff, but it just sounded no, confused. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not going to be funny at all this week. The, oh, fair enough, why yeah. change the habit of a lifetime? <laughs> So, uh, let's have a look then. We've got all the all the news and reviews for the week to come up then. So we start then with the, what I think is clearly the biggest film of the week, which oh, yeah. is, of course, The Jungle Book, mm. which continues the trend Disney have embarked upon of adapt making live-action adaptations of all their animated properties. Yeah. So, you know, we had Cinderella, we had Sleeping Beauty... Sort of by way of, of yeah. Maleficent. If, if it's not broke, let's exactly. Do it again. And yeah. we've we've now got we've got Aladdin's going to come now. We've got it's called Genies. It's still just about Genies. Just called uh, Genies. Snow White's sister. Snow White's sister, which is going to be Rose Red. Rose which Red, if they don't yeah. cast Ruby Rose in that film, they're missing out on the marketing trick. Yeah. Uh, Dumbo. Dumbo, that's happening, Dumbo's isn't it? Isn't that Tim Burton? That is Tim, Tim Burton. Burton. Yeah. And of course, oh, we had Alice in Wonderland as well. We're also going to get Beauty and the Beast next because that's got the cast of a lifetime. That's going to be the big one, isn't that it? That is. Yeah. Well, that's that's going to be like every girl born between like 1985 and now. <laughs> to the multiplex, and yeah. So, of course, the Jungle Book, which is directed by uh, John Favreau. Good old Johnny Favs is back. Johnny Favs, Johnny Favs, and he's brought with him screenwriter Justin Marks. Are you familiar with screenwriter Justin Marks? Not off the top of my head. Well, he you done? should be familiar with screenwriter Justin Marks because screenwriter Justin Marks gave us the cinematic tone that only screenwriter Justin Marks could, which was 2009 Street Fighter: The Legend of Chun Li. He has now turned his attention to Rudyard Kipling's eponymous tone, and of course, the more 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 dominantly, I was more predominantly the 1967 animated tale uh, to deliver this new take on the Jungle Book, in which we've got a newcomer play uh, Neil Sethi. Is his name? Oh, see, Seal Nethy. Neil Sethi. It's Neil Sethi. Neil Sethi. Mm. There is an H in there. Is it Silent H? Silent H. Silent H. You always better with pronunciations than me. It's only because he was doing the talk show. He was doing the talk show. Yeah. It's just, it's just him and Jacob Tremblay. They're just going to own all Tremblay. the talk shows. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But uh, yes, yeah, so. Um, Neil Setti is Mowgli. He is the unknown 12-year-old actor who has acquired this role of Mowgli and it turns out for the best. Uh, what you've got is effectively the same exact setup as the original 1967 animated version. I'm going to keep calling it the original even though obviously there was a book yeah. first. And uh, what you've got this time around is there's been some slight reimagining, some slight reworking. Shere Khan discovers that Mowgli, the man-cub, is being raised by the wolves and effectively does that whole uh, protection racket thing. <laughs> Fork over the kid or I will kill you all. And, of course, Mowgli being the noble sort and feeling dutiful to his wolf family. Who Do you know, by the way, who's, who's providing the uh, the voices for the wolf family? I do. Um, Lady Wolf is uh, Blue Peter Nyong'o. Blue Peter Nyong'o. I love that. That's what I call <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Blue Peter Nyong'o. Do you, know, do you know who's the dad? Who's Akila? 
Go on. Yeah, it's Gus, isn't it? It is Gus. It yeah. is Giancarlo Esposito. And, oh, he's so good. Oh, oh, yes. So happy about that. I, need to, I spent half the movie trying to figure that out. Um, <laughs> right. So we should point out as well, though, this is sort of, it's live action, really, but it's it kind of like Babe the Gallant Pig, where they mm. look like real animals, but their mouths move in accordance with human verbal yeah. dialogue. And, of course, Mowgli embarks on a quest to return to the world of man, escorted by Bagheera, who is, you know, voiced by Ben Kingsley in that way that only Ben Kingsley could do, if I handed you this project and said, please cast Bagheera, how long would it take you to reach... Oh, I'd, I'd already be talking to his agent. Yeah, oh, really? you, you would, wouldn't you? Sure. And of course, along the way, they meet Baloo, played <laughs> by Bill Murray, who I think is the second name on the list you'd have after John Goodman. But really, <laughs> there's only John Goodman or Bill Murray that you would have Come as on, Baloo. Come on, Andy Circus. Yeah. Come <laughs> on, Andy Goodman Circus. You, you've got another shot, Andy Circus. Two years' time, make it happen. And of course, we have a clip. Have you lost your mind? You said you wouldn't get mad. Did you listen to anything Akira taught you? There's no place in the jungle for these tricks. You want to do this, you do this in the man village. But I'm helping Baloo get ready for hibernation. Bears don't hibernate in a jungle. What are you teaching him? Not full hibernation, but I nap. A lot. No, come on. This is right. Okay, here's here's where we go with uh, with the Jungle Book. You, you would expect after the pedigree that was established with you know Cinderella with the uh, Maleficent etc. Mm. You think, hey, do you know what? At best, this is going to be half decent. Mm. Yeah, that, that's really it. We're not going to get a mind blowing film. So I'm I, I'm gonna I'm gonna knock you for six now and tell you not only <laughs> is this rivaling Zootropolis for the definitive family film of the year, but also that it is mind-blowingly fantastic from the yeah. opening minute. That is just what I wanted to hear. It really yeah. is. Even the Disney logo that opens the film has been animated in the style of the 1967 original that then oh, transforms man. to live action yeah. and bre- it kicks off with this fantastic chase sequence, which is so fantastically imagined that mm. you just look at it and think, this is what Avatar thought it was delivering, but it never did. And that's what you get from it. I was astonished by it. It's got this beautiful score that goes all the way through it. It's, it's a score which is it's kind of haunting, but at the same time it's kind of cleverly referential of the original songs. Who did the score? Do you know? It's John Debney. Right. He's just becoming one of the go-to names now, I think. John yeah, I remember I think five years ago, no one had heard of John Disney Debney, have used him quite a lot. They, they seem yeah. to have. And uh, and then you've got, of course, Justin Marks' a screenplay. And this is a screenplay which is, it's got bags of heart. It's got the heart in there, but it delivers on literally every level. So you, you will laugh at this. It is laugh out loud, genuinely funny. I, I was astonished by that as well. It is actually funny. Mm. Um, it, it's it doesn't so much make straight references so much as have playful little homages paid to certain other properties. The Lion King stampede sequence gets a look in, for instance, which I was just oh, sat in my seat whooping at, and it does look incredible. Yeah. Um, there is an Apocalypse Now nod in here, which rivals the... Because every film needs one. Oh, yeah, well, yeah. it rivals the Breaking Bad one in Zootropolis, in my books, for just the most inappropriate thing. Oh, I love that scene. I- imagine a version of King Louis, voiced mm. by Christopher Walken, paying homage to Apocalypse Now. Come on. 
I think we're on form here. Yeah, but that's the thing. That so it, it is it is funny. It is heart-wrenching. It's genuinely moving. Mm. It will it will break you inside as a person <laughs> when it wants to. And then it will even terrify you. And that's where we get to the voice cast. Because first and foremost, like Neil Setti, he's great. Great, great discovery as Mowgli. Great. But the real one for me is Idris Elba as Shere Khan. He's outright terrifying. Mm. Genuinely, this is, a, this is a portrayal of this character, which is going to give children for years to come nightmares. And it's just... Just what you want from Shere Khan, because he was always, he was always sort of a sort of classically a thespian he villain. He was never scary. He wasn't scary in the in the original Disney yeah. sixty seven version. Br- brace yourself for this film then, because at one point it goes full on Ghost in the Darkness. Right. Y- yeah. Shere Khan, Ghost <laughs> in the Darkness. I kept expecting. Where, where is Val Kilmer? Where, Michael Douglas. Yeah, where's Valley Kilmer's man? That's Valley, what we Valley need. Valley Kilmer's. Valley Kilmer's. We need Valley Kilmer's. But yeah, so you know, Ben Kingsley, like I say, does that brilliant sort of that, that mm. schnick that only Ben Kingsley can deliver on that sort of I am wise but I don't know everything you know, that brilliant <laughs> appeal uh, you've got Bill Murray who he does deliver the goods as Baloo he is a genuinely endearing he's not doing the sad clown not doing the sad, clown. Doing the sad clown he's back as genuine Bill Murray rather than sad clown Bill Murray and I loved Walken as King Lou I wish there was more of him in there but mm. it is Idris Elba all the way for me but the thing that really defines the film for me other than the fact that John Favre has utterly redeemed any of well, the last three films he made for me, which were what was the last one. I, Chef, I, I quite I no, no, Chef. no, 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 don't let's let's not let, let's no, not let's not get into Chef. This is another difference of opinion. Let's not let's not do it, Case. Okay, you're because, saying it because you're a critic, and that film was directly aimed at critics. Yes, yes, I am. Okay, it was one man airing his dirty laundry for two and a half hours on screen, while hours, making some delicious apanadas at the same time. <laughs> Yes, while making Epinada. And, and, he wasted what's-her-name, Gloria, for Modern Family, and that's unforgivable. How do you, Johnny how do you Legs, Johnny Legs, man. No, 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 sorry, Johnny Legs got more to do in Sisters. Johnny, John, John Leguizamo, if anyone's wondering. John, yes. Johnny Legs. We should we should get these right occasionally. Actually, explain. I feel like we need to just publish a list. About <laughs> we're building up. We're building up a, 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 a vocab, aren't we? Was it Live Fish? Larry Johnny the Legs. Fish, Johnny Legs, Joey Pants. Joe Pantaliano, yeah. we got him as well. Joe uh, Mickey Shoes. Oh, Mickey Shoes? Oh, no, Matty Shoes. Matty Shoes, sorry. Matty, Matty Shoes, Shoes is Matteo Shonarts. Yeah. Anyway, I told the lady from Lionsgate that the other day. She thought I'd lost my mind. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so, um, John Favreau brings real energy to this. And you watch this film, and it is astonishing that he has managed to deliver something this layered and mm. this intense. It is a genuine behemoth to watch. I mean, you can watch this and just, and it will flow, and it has its great energy, and it's fun, and it's thrills and it's, it's little scares but if you just step back for just a second there's loads of background detail in there but also it's so intricately put together that you think wow come on Favs get on the Magic Kingdom movie make this happen because we need oh, that he's been talking about it for he years he has been talking about that for years long that's, long time we should explain for anyone who doesn't know that's basic that's a movie that John, John Favreau is apparently working on that's effectively Night at the Museum in Disneyland Yes, so yeah. all of your favourite attractions... Come to life. Yeah. That is the movie I now really want Jon Favreau to make. And because if anything's shown us that he's got the credibility to pull it off, this is it. He has delivered the definitive family film of 2016, rivaled, as I say, only by Zootropolis. And the fact that one is animated and one sort of isn't, mm. that that's, that's really the only they're both from Disney as well. And they're both from Disney. So, you know what? House of Mouse delivers twice in a month... Wow. Yeah. It is the perfect family films, I say. Take the kids, take the grandparents, take your own parents. Take uh, everyone. Take take everyone. Take your estranged cousins, that take, uncle take you don't neighbors. really like. Just take everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Take the, even if the guy owes you money, just bring him along. <laughs> just, just, he'll, he'll pay for popcorn. He'll pay for, make him pay for popcorn. There you yeah. go. 
with the latest film news and reviews. This is Offscreen, the on-screen radio show. And we're back. And just a reminder, if you want to listen to the extended version of the show with all the post-credits fun, all the film news we can ever fit in, the films that don't quite make the cut for each week's broadcast, or you just really want to hear our weekly moment of cage, which I think is really worth it. That's why I always tune in. Exactly. Go and download the podcast edition on iTunes, Acast, SoundCloud, pick your platform, it's on there, or go along to onscreenfilm.com in the podcast section, in the off-screen section, as it were. So, shall we start the the top 10 for the week yes let us do it number 10 hardcore henry hardcore henry have you seen you've not seen it have you i've not because my favorite cinema isn't showing oh this. okay right so, your favorite of course hmm. being odian yeah. um right okay i went to cine world to see it <laughs> that's my <laughs> this is that this is our bugbear my third no. favorite because it wasn't it wasn't press show so i went to cine world to see this on friday and this is the new crank this is this is the best I can compare it to. It yes. is like crank, but slightly more video gamey. It is bonkers. It is it's like going round your friend's house when you know he's had far too many, and he makes you sit and watch him play a video game. It, and that's it. This is like watching a PS4 game, but you know what? A lot more enjoyable. I had a lot of fun with it. Number nine. London has fallen. You always love saying that, don't you? You just come up with new ways every week to say that. (laughs) Um, Right, I'm a big fan of London's Fallen, as are you. Um, And I think because we both seem to appreciate it on the dumb fun level, on the moronic popcorn level. On the moronic self-aware level. It is, because it is quite self-aware. There's nobody involved in this film who thinks it's anything. not be aware of what it is. I'll be honest, though. I genuinely think this is a better Die Hard sequel than A Good Day to Die Hard. That, You're not the only person that's No, I think it really is. Yeah. This works better as a Die Hard sequel than A Good Day to Die Hard, and you can't think, that, that shouldn't happen. I'm like, really? Number eight. Ten Cloverfield Lane. Does, hang on, using our naming system, does that make John Goodman Johnny Goods? Um, I feel like we can... No, I think we can do better. better than yeah, that. He, he deserves more. Let me, let me work on it. You during, work on during it. During the next break. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so, uh, Ted Cloverfield Lane, which came out of nowhere and knocked everyone off their seats with yeah. this blinding, three-hand character thriller. Well, character-driven thriller, really, which is really all about the introspective and the personal and genuinely builds suspense with this brilliant level of meta-casting and this mm-hmm. constant sense of foreboding doom to it all. <laughs> and, yeah, I loved the hell out of it. I mean, you were a fan as well, I believe. Yes, I was, big time. Number seven. My Big Fat Greek Wedding the Second. <laughs> Wouldn't it be my, my Big Fat Greek Remarriage? Remarriage, one of Yes, yeah. or My Big Fat Greek Second Wedding. I think, well, what, what was it I said last week? Was bigger, it fatter, bigger, Greekier. Bigger, fatter, Greekier. Wedding, that, that would have yeah, worked better. Um, do you know what, if you like the first one, you'll like the second. Uh, I wasn't particularly a fan of the first. I don't actually think it's as good as the first one. I anyway. saw the first on a plane, it was alright. But that, I think that's kind of how you would really ideally be suited to watching yeah. the first one. But uh, it's one of those, it's for the fans, and it's for the fans purely on the level of, you like the characters, here are those characters again. But here's a story that's not quite as good, though it's got just as many jokes. And eh, we're really going to complain about that one, are we? Number six, Midnight Special. Right, we weren't allowed to see it, so as a, as a consequence of Entertainment One not allowing us to see it, it does not get a proper run-through, other than me saying, eh, it's all right. Anyway, so, let's have a look at what's in the film news this week. You're staring at me like I've lost my damn mind. I don't think you're being fair on Mickey Shans. Alright, okay, I'll tell you what, I I will talk about Midnight Special in the podcast extras, but I'm not giving them radio play for a film they didn't allow us to see. 
I think that's fair enough. That's semi-fair enough. I think that's fair. Yes. Okay, so let's look at the film news then, because we've got to talk about... Uh, wow, well, there's a lot of superhero news. We can't go do all that at once, though. Do it all at once. Do it all at once. Okay, so this is one. This is a lot. There's a lot of this this week where uh, there's a lot of film news that we've all sort of known for a while, but it's all now confirmed. confirmed. So first of all, Ben Affleck is directing the Batman or Batman X or Batman: The Next Generation, whatever the hell it's called. Two bat, two batia. Two bat, two batia. Two bat, two man. Two bat, two man. Two bat, two man. I can go with that. Two bat, two man. <laughs> Bat and Man? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Ah, oh, forget it. <laughs> right, so Ben Affleck is actually directing. No one cares. No one wants to see a Ben Affleck Batman. Actually, you know, after Batman v Superman, I'd rather see a Batman with Ben Affleck. Than... I definitely want to see a Batman Batfleck film. <laughs> I just, I'm so let down. Never mind. We're not going there. We're not going there. Okay, on to the it Marvel. Wasn't his vers- fault. <laughs> It wasn't Affleck's fault. <laughs> it's not your fault, man. It's not your fault. <laughs> right. So on then to the Marvel verse. Um, Natalie Portman mm. is not going to be in Thor Ragnarok. But Tessa Thompson is. Yes, and that makes us all very happy because I'm kind of cool with it. I'm cool with it. I like yeah. Tessa Thompson. There is. I did like Natalie Portman. I definitely want to see what's going to happen with I, Tessa Thompson. I've noticed interest. there is a strange thing that you know we were talking about how uh, they should have marketed Doctor Strange uh, based on purely on the fact they've got Benedict Cumberbatch and how that would appeal more to women. It could be the first one that appealed more to women than men. Mm. Um, and you, you correctly pointed out that actually Thor did that first. The strange thing I found is that whenever I ask any of the women in my life about Thor, they always point out how much they dislike Natalie Portman. They almost all yeah, like Kat Dennings that. though. So Kat Dennings they love. <laughs> I've met a lot of ladies that do not like that. Really? In, that, in those two films. Oh, yeah, yeah. I always find they dislike her. Anyway, so Tessa Thompson is the new Thor chick. So. Who's she going to be? Valkyrie, maybe? Ooh. I don't I think know. Valkyrie. Well, there's a rumour that Kate Blanchett will be the villainess Hera. So mm. we, sh- we shall see on that front. Time will tell. Meanwhile, Spider-Man is officially Spider-Man colon Homecoming. That's a good title. I Love like it. That. Love it. Yeah. And have you heard about the scene that has been shown? in which Peter Parker enters his home to find Aunt May having a chat with a certain goateed billionaire. No. Have you not heard about this? This was shown yesterday at CinemaCon, apparently. Uh, And the goateed billionaire in question decides to tell young Peter Parker that grant he applied for has come through. So we shall uh, we shall see what goes. We might actually get the good Tony Stark um, is... Peter Parker relationship going here. Yeah. We might get That's the Iron want. Spider. Want. I want the Iron Spider. Oh, That's what I want. Spider. But. In the Spider-Man animated cartoons, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, I like have you seen that? Because yeah. that's the new one, that's Ultimate Spider-Man. Ultimate Spider-Man I've not really it. watched much is of it. Is it Marissa Tomei that's playing? Yes, Marissa yeah. Tomei that's is Aunt May. Casting, yeah. Marissa Tomei, Aunt May. Aunt May, huh. yeah. <laughs> Dick Sergeant, Dick York. Sergeant York. With the latest film news and reviews, this is Offscreen. And we're back. So we did actually come up with uh, the John Goodman thing. We did come up with it. What, what did you yeah, go we with? did. What um, you got with? Uh, Johnny B. Goodman. Johnny B. Goodman. Okay, we're going with Johnny B. Goodman. I should that have is... thought about months ago. <laughs> that was that was actually quite an easy one. That was quite good. Okay, so let's talk about the new Peter Greenaway film, Eisenstein in Guanajuato, which uh, of course opens on Friday. Uh, this is an interesting one. This is actually based on, well, somewhat based on true events. Uh, well, as much as it possibly can be. It's a very much a madcap sort of character drama. 
drama, very much focused on the character of Eisen, Sergei Eisenstein, who is the Soviet filmmaker who ventures to Mexico to make his dream project, and whilst there, starts to, well, we're not so much lose his mind in the isolation, but starts to explore his, his, his psychology, his ins and outs, his whims, desires. He's in his mid-30s, yet is a virgin, so has some sexual awakening as well, um, with the aid of his, uh, his uh, loyal watcher, or uh, his sort of escort, as it were, um, who's played by Luis Alberti. And, of course, Sergei uh, Eisenstein is Elmer Bach, whom I'm not familiar with his work, although he is excellent in this. Uh, it's a Peter Greenaway film, so, of course, it's not really that easy to classify, if you catch what I mean. I'll play the clip, and then I'll, I'll, I'll elaborate further. We have put your latest film rushes through the laboratory in California, and I must say, we all say... <laughs> They are truly splendid. Albert says so, and George says so too. Oh, I'm sorry. Albert Einstein and George Bernard Shaw. You have shown my rushes to all these people when I have not yet seen them myself? Well, you couldn't, could you? There are no Mexican laboratories worth knowing, are there? So it's like Peter Greenaway movie, and and Peter Greenaway is sort of the go-to in terms of snobby English filmmaking, really, isn't he? Um, so the strange thing with this one is this feels like you'd be remiss in thinking this feels like someone asked Terry Gilliam to make a prestige picture, and and the result is this Peter Greenaway film. <laughs> And I say you at the centre of it always is Elmer Bach, and he is—he's fantastic in it. It's an absolutely mesmerising performance. It is—it's entirely fixated on him, and the bulk of it takes place in this same enlarged, classically designed chamber, which sort of doubles as a living space and a bedroom. You know, you know, forty foot high ceilings, etc. And it is mostly about this guy just exploring what makes himself tick, and. As such, it's not. It's got no mainstream appeal to speak of. Like there, there is. This is nobody's date movie. If you're going on a date and 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 you know your your would be date suggests this film, leave there and then because there's something to be concerned about. But um, but it is. It's it actually is something to behold. And like I say, it does play like Terry Gilliam did a prestige picture. Like if this had Miramax's name above the above the door, you could totally see this. Um, however. There is an energy to uh, Terry Gilliam picture, for instance, with this lacks. Now, it is the most energetic, the most madcap, and the most frenzied thing that Greenway has done in quite a long time. But the problem is, you're not really going to gra- have much to grasp at in it. It's very much a case of, I'm going to go in, I'm going to watch this performance, and that's really all I'm going to take away from it, and nothing else. I mean, it's been a couple of days, and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of drawing a blank on it now. Just not got much to say about it. It's not. It, it's not a film that I, I mean, it is a film I think film students will have a good time with in terms of just dissecting it, finding out what makes it tick, rather like its central character does. But uh, other than that, it, it's uh, it, it's, it's a bit of a tough one. It's a bit of a toughie. Yeah. It, it's definitely one for the Guardian readers. So let's have a look then. Oh, we've got to talk about uh, oh, Jungle Book. Uh, obviously, has opened. In certain countries around the world, it's it opened has, in yeah. Latin America. It's opened in Asia. How, how has it done? It's done quite well. Mm. It's not Shocking. not not gigantic box office, but it's but the Jungle Book. Solid, you know, yeah. it opens uh, Friday in the US and here. Yeah. And here's the here's the astonishing part. <laughs> Based on its huge critical acclaim already, Disney have decided. You know what? Let Let's do a Jungle Rebook. Let's do a Jungle Book two. Let's do a Jungle Book we volume need to call two. It that. Jungle, Jungle Rebook. Jungle Rebook. Jungle Book Volume 2. And they have actually gotten John Favreau and 
Justin Marks, the screenwriter. Yeah. Screenwriter Justin Marks, writer of 2009 Street Fighter, The Legend of Chun-Li. That screenwriter, lest Justin Marks. Forget. Lest we forget. <laughs> They've gotten them both into talks to return. So we might have to wait a little bit longer little for Magic, Magic Kingdom. Kingdom. <laughs> yeah, which is really annoying we'll, me we'll now. We'll get there eventually. Uh, let's talk about uh, sequels. We've got to talk about this sequel as well. He, I didn't even know this was a possibility. Edge of Tomorrow yeah. is getting a sequel. It is. Right. The writers of Race, the Jesse Owens biopic, they're, they're going to be writing this. Yeah. Chris McQuarrie, who wrote the first one, is going to be attached in some capacity. So whether that means he's exec producing, I don't quite he's know. He's not going to direct. He's not going to direct. Because he went on Twitter and he was did. like, there is no I'm edge. not directing it. Yeah. yeah, he went, there is no edge without Doug Lyman. Exactly. But he has now said as well, no. Doug Lyman will apparently be returning. So, so we're never going to get him doing Gambit. That's just just no, say, just say it no. Now. There is not going to be a Gambit He's not movie. Do Gambit. Stop, stop thinking it. There's never going to be a Gambit movie. Chris McQuarrie and Doug Lyman are both going to be involved in Edge of Tomorrow Two: Live, Die, Re-Repeat, and <laughs> <laughs> because on DVD and Blu-ray, the film is actually called yeah, Live, Die, Repeat. I, I have the that is a better title. It, it kind of is. Although I prefer the original title, All You Need Is, is Kill, Kill. Yeah, which is the book title, upon which the book, film is based. Yeah. But they they sent me the 3D Blu-ray, and it, mm. it's called Live, Die. Repeat. I was, I was just kind of what? I really enjoyed that film. I, 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 I was I, I, surprised. Loved it. Loved yeah. it. It even made me like that song, "Love Me Again," but uh, which does that Doug Lyman thing of let's just have a catchy pop song to end my movies. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and they're all the same kind as well. So let's talk about fan then. Now this I've been really looking forward to discussing fan. This is your first. Uh, this is my first Bollywood. Bollywood press show. Wow. I've, all these years, never they never put them on Mondays and Tuesdays. So yeah, I finally got to do one. I knew nothing of it going in, and it turns out, best possible way to see this film, because this is going to blow your mind. Right, okay, so are you familiar with Shah Rukh Khan? I am. You yes. are familiar with him? Okay. He's, he's quite the name. He is quite the yeah. name. He is essentially, he's like, how, who could you compare it to? Who could compare him to? He, there's no one quite of the same stature, I can't really oh. think. Unless you were... I've always said Tom Cruise. Tom, yeah, Tom Cruise. Yeah. Okay, yeah, let's put that then. He is Bollywood's Tom Cruise. I, that's a pretty good comparison. Mm. He has the physical charisma of Harry Hamlin, but other than that, <laughs> he really does. <laughs> yeah. And he's a bit taller than A little bit taller. Tom so, Cruise, Shah Rukh Khan, he's been around the block. He's done everything there is to do in Bollywood. He is the man. He is the Tom Cruise of the industry. And in this movie, he plays a sort of fictionalised version of himself. He plays uh, Aryan Khanar is the name of the star which he plays. So he, this movie star plays a movie star, mm. Ariane Kanar. Now, into this mix comes a young fan. Uh, oh, how do I say his name? This is going to bug me. <laughs> I will find out. But okay, so he's got a young fan who has made something of a name for himself impersonating Ariane Kanar mm. and enters a talent contest every year in which he plays his own fictionalised version, Ariane Kanar Jr., or Junior Ariane Canar. Now he goes to uh, to the, the, on this massive pilgrimage. I think to Delhi. No, he's from Delhi. He goes to uh, I forget which city. Uh, on the day on to the mass celebration of Ariane Canar's birthday, which looks like the calm film festival. <laughs> if you look at it, <laughs> just scores of people gathered around loads this of apartment. Paparazzi, loads yeah. of press, yeah. And he is he's ignored when he's there. And. Yeah. Um, into this mix, moments, what seems like minutes later, Ariane Canard gets into sort of a paparazzi scuffle with a fellow actor, a young up-and-coming star, in which they have a physical altercation, and the younger star decides he's going to sue him and start slandering him in the press. 
But our fan is not going to stand for that. So he decides he's going to break into the young actor's uh, trailer, tie him up, torture him, and make him apologise on camera, and then stick it on YouTube. Which, of course, he does. Now, I should point out, for the purpose of, of, of all this demonstration, we can't play a clip because obviously it's not in English. Um, for the purpose of this demonstration, the young fan looks an awful lot like a young Ariane Canard. So this hmm. then leads to a confusion whereby Ariane Canard is being accused of torturing this guy. The police come to ask Ariane Canard, like, what's going on? And he interjects, he discovers the existence of his young fan, arranges for him to be arrested and taught a lesson. He's locked up for two days and in the course of trading, uh, trading verbal barbs with his young fan, tells him, look, you're just my fan. I don't owe you anything. You know, I, I I don't owe you my time. Like just because you show up to you know this this birth, I don't owe you the time. You know, you're just a fan. We're not friends. Get over it. And inadvertently brings this young boy's world coming crashing down. We are now an hour and a half into a two and a half hour film. At which point there is an intermission. Now, <laughs> what follows is just bonkers. This is all played, by the way, for laughs. This is played like it's, a, this. It's not really done straight. No, no, no. This is all played for laughs. It's not a musical either, right? This is all sort of played for laughs. Uh, Ariane Canar is, is a Bollywood star, so he does his song and dance routine. It's all sort of played for laughs. It's it's, it's light hearted. It's not a comedy, but it's light hearted sort of you know whimsical character fun. Then comes the intermission, in which we cut to London, and Ariane Canar. Just out of the blue, whilst out jogging in London, walks into Madame Tussauds, waving a gun, and starts taking people hostage. And then decides to start bringing down his own name. Can you guess where this has gone? Yeah, the fan has decided, as retaliation, he's going to bring him down. Oh, that's amazing. Right? This is where the comedy ends. The comedy ends at this point, and it turns into single white female Scorsese's the fan. That's what I'm. Yeah, yeah. It turns into every nineties, yeah, every nineties psycho thriller you can imagine gets bundled into this last hour and a bit, and you are blown away. Right, I'm gonna. I'm now gonna blow your mind even further. <clears throat> okay, it's, it's nearly there. Oh yeah, right. There. Okay, here's where it gets slightly muffled. Have you seen a picture of of uh, of uh, Shah Rukh Khan? Um, I have not recently. Right, he's, about, he's in his fifties. We'll yeah. say he's quite a cool guy. You know, keeps himself in good shape. He's got a few wrinkles, etc. Right, he plays the younger one as well. <laughs> right, not only does he play his younger fan, he plays it with this brilliant high pitched voice and the most convincing combination of prosthetic effects mm. and CGI you have ever seen. Now, I don't know if you can see this. Have, you, have til- you got a picture? That is a picture of Ariane. Canar's younger fan, that is genuinely that him. That is amazing. That is amazing, isn't it? The only way you can tell them apart when you see them side by side, other than oh a few wrinkles, is the nose. Because yeah. I'm trying to... That's a character's that, name. That puts uh, Michael Douglas and Ant-Man to shame. Garav. Garav is his name. Garav Chandner. Right, Garav has a thinner nose, and Ariane Canar has, the, has a slightly more bulbous mm. one. And this is the only way you can tell them apart. And there are points at which it becomes really, really difficult. You have to really, like, just focusing, just yeah. tell them apart. 
it's say, the first half's played for laughs, and it's all Jova, and it really knocks you for six when it takes that turn, and you think, wow, I just I <laughs> didn't see this coming. It is, I mean, it's made by, supposedly, a very young, inexperienced, up-and-coming crew, um, and the director is Mani Sharma. I'm not familiar with his work, because obviously I don't see that many Bollywood no, films, but wow, I was, I was astonished by this. If you can see this film, Without knowing and without knowing anything beyond what I've just told you, mm. go and see it. You will be genuinely astonished at the tone it takes, the whimsy, the fun, and and really the darkness that comes with it. It is just not what you expect at all. <laughs> I say I, I was familiar with Shah Rukh Khan, but this is something different for him from what I from what I know of him. I was I was I was I was genuinely not for six. I really was. <laughs> with the latest film news and reviews, this is off screen. The on-screen radio show, and we're back and dancing. So, uh, before we uh, crack on with the final review of the week, then should we finish the box office top ten? Uh, okay. Number five. <laughs> Kung Fu Panda the Third. <laughs> Kung Fu Panda the Third. Now, I was a big fan of Kung Fu Panda the Third. Mm, uh, I didn't it. really remember the first two. Saw the saw the third one. Fell in love with it instantly. It won me over with its uh, its just whimsically goofy and fun charm. I like Jack Black in it quite a bit. Let's say this is going to be another one though. I don't think anyone's seen this without seeing the first two. And I think young kids generally are quite fans of it. So <laughs> I don't think they're going to be disappointed at all. Number four, Eddie the Eagle. Eddie the Eagle, which is it plays itself for laughs. It's got its heart mm. in the right place. I've, I've not gone around to seeing it. Yeah, yet, so. Well, it's not narratively going to rock the world or anything. It's it it is what it is. Yes, <laughs> feel good. Uh, feel good little yeah. sort of true story drama kitchen sink charm applied to cool runnings with Taron Egerton with this sort of slack jawed juddy out <laughs> top set of teeth kind of a deal and Hugh Jackman being cool and uh, Dexter Fletcher puts some energy into it and fair play it works number three Oh, that is that is just awful. <laughs> uh, Batman v Superman, Yawn of Justice. <laughs> yawn of Justice. Uh, right, I don't want to talk too much about Batman Superman because I feel like we've, we've given it far too much. You nearly bust a blood vessel last week, I, didn't I nearly you? You did. had to be rushed out. I, I was contacted instantly by our mutual friend, Benjamin Halford, who, oh, yes. uh, who, who listened to the podcast <laughs> and wanted to check that I was actually okay. I don't think he got that. I don't think he got <laughs> that there was some levity to it. He's all right. But uh, he wanted to check that I was physically okay. <laughs> but uh, no, I'm just going to say, uh, Batman v Superman is it's the worst studio movie of the year I mean the one that's at number one this week is almost as bad but still doesn't quite come, as, come to the same low bar we'll say number two try everything oh, bloody song <laughs> <laughs> Zootropolis or Zootopia, depending on where you depending are. Depending on where you are in the world, yeah. Um, which I say, sec- well, it's tied for the family film of the year for me. You know, yeah, Disney knocking it out. What of are we going to do when Finding Dory comes out? Oh, to cry, probably. Cry. Well, I mean, we will, we will weep, yeah. obviously. But uh, yeah, so Batman v Superman. Oh, Zootopia. Yeah, what's up about good films? Yeah. Sorry, good, good films. Good though, films. Sorry, uh, loved it, loved it. Um, has a sort. It owes a debt to things like Who Framed Roger Rabbit. It's quintessentially Disney in the way that it portrays its anthropomorphic animals. Mm. It's got a hell of a voice cast. I really like Jason Bateman in there. I thought Jennifer Goodwin was quite well chosen for it. And of course, Idris Elba, who it seems can do no wrong when it's animation and Disney, as this week has proven. Um, do see it. Uh, see it multiple times if you can. Uh, see it with your kids. Uh, see it with your young relatives. And buy the song on download because you'll need it. Number one. The Huntsman, Winter's War in 3D because franchises. Winter's War or Winter's Boar? Winter's Boar. I say Winter's Boar. <laughs> Winter's Boar. And this is, this is, uh, 
one of those pure for the money sequels, one of those pure we've got you under contract kind of a deals. It makes The Mummy Returns look like The Dark Knight by comparison. It's got such a good cast. It has got such a good cast. It's also got Sharon Smith in there. And when you're, she's great. When your sequel's added value element is the <laughs> chick from Two Pints of Lager, it might be time to call it's it a day. Sell a black. Yeah, no, I'm sorry, I don't buy into this silver black hype, but... Uh, really? No, nah, I didn't rate it. Oh, I thought she was good. I think it's because I didn't care. But never mind. <sighs> well, to be fair, you're not technically from this country. Oh, well, thanks. <laughs> That's the most xenophobic thing I've ever said. I'm not xenophobic. <laughs> <laughs> That's your justification for everything. But yeah. no, it, it just it goes nowhere. Its plot just seems to just have disparate elements tossed in whenever it feels like it. It, it doesn't make any sense as a prequel. It doesn't make any sense as a sequel. It doesn't make any sense as a work of narrative cinema. Although, you know what? Still better than Batman Superman. So, let's talk about Criminal, then. <laughs> which, yes, let's. <laughs> which, I swear, you're going you're gonna to love this one. Because, uh, well, this, this has got everything going for it, this film. So this, is, uh, this, this stars uh, Kevin Costner as a... Uh, Mentally deficient, and by mentally deficient, I mean he's incapable of feeling certain emotions, mm. uh, convict who is dragged out of his cell and implanted with a memory patch containing the, the sort of brain nodes of a recently murdered CIA intelligence officer in London, played so, by a cameoing Ryan Reynolds. So, so it's selfless. That is the twist. That's the twist. It's yeah. selfless the other way around. Mm. But, um, <laughs> of course, our. Um, our would-be convict here, starts to feel things because of the memory patch that he's never felt before. So although he's supposed to be helping the CIA locate this MacGuffin that hackers want so they can hack things... Right. I think ultimately it's just a flash drive. Although he's got that, he is also feeling emotions he's never felt before. So he wants to behave badly, but he's also got kind of a goody-goody in his head, Mm. and this makes him want to visit goody-goody's home with his widow and his son and spend some time with them. Because movie, goody. because yeah. goody goody and movie. There is also a nice little inversion in the casting of Tommy Lee Jones and Gary Oldman, who I think just got the wrong scripts delivered. Like they got each <laughs> other's scripts delivered, and they're, they're just playing it that way. And yeah, so <laughs> here's a clip. Who are you? I don't know. Most of my life, a number. My brain don't always work right. Haven't always acted right having your man in my head made me made me feel things know things right wrong I guess it don't matter doc says it's all going away pretty soon can you feel what Billy felt So that's uh, Gal Gadot and Kevin Costner, and her name actually is pronounced Gadot, apparently, mm. which yes. I did not realise until I saw the TV spots for this. You would have assumed it was like Bridget Bardot, it was Gadot. Yeah, but, again, uh, she was on Jimmy Kimmel or something. Y- yeah, yeah. Uh, we've, we've kind of all learnt this past couple of weeks, haven't we? <laughs> so this movie opens with Kevin Costner growling, they tinkered with my brain. Over the <laughs> top of every it. movie should open. <laughs> no, yes, every movie should open with that. So over to that, they tinkered with my brain. Um, with this, just this, this growl that Costner's putting on, mm. as if he's trying to dare Warner Brothers to just remake, just do the straight adaptation of The Dark Knight Returns and cast him as Batman already. Uh, so that's how you begin. And then what you, what you quickly launch into is a film that contains characters with names such as Quaker Wells and Jericho Stewart. Did Del Toro... Uh, 
Right, you think that, yeah? It is like a Del Toro movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Stack of Pentecost. <clears throat> Matt Marshall Stack of Pentecost. Yes, exactly. Um, so you've got uh, Gary Oldman. Uh, you've got uh, sorry, Kevin Costner snarling and growling, uh, sna- snarling and growling his way mm. through it all. You've got um, <laughs> Gal Gadot, who continues to prove that if if she's capable of anything this year, it's establishing that having your name above a title does not mean you have anything resembling a screen presence because there's nothing to do here. Um, and you've got uh, Gary Oldman and Tommy Lee Jones playing each other. Other's roles. I mean, they play them well enough, but it does feel a bit pantomimey. Mm. And then, of course, you've got uh, Jordi Moller, who most of us know as the villain from Triple X, who also Bad Boys Two. I always forget that one as well. Oh yeah. Who who is, is such sleazebag. a yeah, yeah. who's such a non-threat as the villain? Basically, he's a keyboard warrior. In fact, he's the least threatening keyboard warrior since Harry Knowles. Let's put it that way. <laughs> that's, that's probably the politest way to put it. Um, <laughs> it's. It constantly fluctuates in its tone. Sometimes it wants to be quite dark-hearted and, and energetic. The rest of the time, it just wants to be kind of straight-laced and sci-fi tinged. It should have worked with a combination of both and delivered something akin to, like, face-off. Because mm. it would work as that work like that. If you went for the face-off vibe, this could really gel. It doesn't, though. And because it doesn't, you constantly feel jarred by it because it spends too long being one and then switches to being the other. I mean, for a film about uh, you know a guy with two brains, it's surprisingly dunderheaded in its sensibilities. Um, it's directed by uh, Ariel Vroman, who did the, the Iceman a couple of years ago with uh, oh Michael Shannon, Michael yeah, Shannon, and, and okay. Chris Evans. Yeah. Uh, and you know what? He, he he brings some energy behind the camera, but the problem is he brings energy to a film that has none of its own. So because he's done that, you're watching this film, and it constantly feels like it's about to get real, <laughs> but it never does. It constantly feels, oh, it's going to jump off in a minute. Never hmm. does. Constantly, feels, oh, it's going to kick off. Never does. And you just sit there thinking, <sighs> bit of a tease, this, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, somebody throw a pie. Somebody throw a pie. <laughs> no, that's Batman Superman. But you just feel, you know, it's like it's like there's a spot on Netflix just waiting for this to just to, to fit in. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, just it's, a little square. It, it's an awful lot like Three Days to Kill. But the problem is, it feels throughout like a sort of aborted Nicolas Cage project. It feels like a kind of film Nicolas Cage turned down because he just didn't have the spare time. Hmm. You know, I've, I've got to go to Scotland this week and shoot an ancient medieval tale in which yeah. I'm King Arthur. You buy, buy a castle. <laughs> you know, but yeah, exactly <laughs> yeah. that. But the problem is, and I say that in, I say that not in a derogatory way to Nicolas Cage, because Nicolas Cage would have done this kind of film and brought the energy to it in that way that Nicolas Cage does. Yeah. But because you've got Kevin Costner there, you see Kevin Costner think, oh, there's Kevin Costner. I feel safe now because I know this film is going to have a certain energy to it. And a it, is, certain... it is kind of weird that he's chosen to do this. It was like when he, he did, did Three Days to Kill and then yeah, this. And you're like, strange what he did that. I don't get what he's doing. And that's the problem. This is a film that genuinely would have been better off starring Nicolas Cage. Just take Well, from... I'd, I'd say that for pretty take, much take from every that film. That, that it doesn't star Nicolas Cage is criminal. So. Oh, that was bad. <laughs> that was criminal. <laughs> okay, so film of the week. Let's run away from that. Let's just run away from it. So film of the week this week. Jungle uh, Book. Well, it's obviously the Jungle Book, but I want to give a special acknowledgement to Fan. Okay. Uh, which yeah. uh, because it's it just comes out of nowhere and it's so fun and then so terrifying at the same time. And I just did have a lot of fun with it. Also, I I, I find uh, Shah Rukh Khan just incredibly likable. 
in his He's Harry cool. Hamlin-like way, <laughs> I do. Um, so definitely check out uh, Jungle Book. But if you get the chance, do and you've got like four days to kill because the film's a bit of a long one. Do go and see Fan as well. That is definitely <laughs> worth a look. Uh, so next week we've got some some what interesting we ones. Got? Well, we were going to have uh, Whiskey Tango Foxtrot next week, but I I was notified yeah. this morning by Paramount it's been bumped about six weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Which Mid- middle of May. Middle of May. So it's mm. a bit annoying, but so we have got Jane got a gun. Natalie Portman. Right, yeah. Who are the guys in that? Uh, Joel Edgerton and Hugh McGregor. Hugh McGregor, that's it. your big bad. Why I thought Michael Fassbender was the Hugh McGregor role, but never. He was going to be. Was he? Oh, well. But everything's going to be Michael Fassbender at some point. That's true, yeah. They have a remake Garfield. I guarantee there'll be a rumour for about a week that it's Michael Fassbender. What is even Garfield today? Because I said Nick Offerman should be the voice of Garfield. I'd, I'd, I would watch it. Yeah. Would Jason watch it. Bateman as Dave. as Dave. All I'm saying. <laughs> um, right, and keep Odie animated this time, please. No real dogs. It, no just, real looked, dogs. it just looked weird. No one bought it. Um, we have also got Friend Request next week, which I know nothing about. No, neither do I. Neither do I. It's a Warner Brothers, uh, Warner Brothers release. That's out next week. Uh, we've got Miles Ahead, the Don Cheadle. Yeah, oh, yes. Miles Davis. It is Miles Ma- Davis. Yeah, which I think I love the tagline for this one. Ian it's, in it as well. it's a biopic uh, with some improvisation. Yes, which I think clever, nice. clever tagline very, very there. Smart. Uh, we've got Jesse Eisenberg in Louder Than Bombs. Let's hope that one works better than it did as Lex Luthor. And Idris Elba's back, baby, because you just can't have enough Elba. He's back in his actioner Bastille Day. Come on, Ooh. get get excited about this. Is that the Richard Madden one? It is oh, the Richard yeah. Madden one! I am one. excited about that. I actually. met Richard Madden uh, really? when, he was, when he was promoting uh, Cinderella. And you know what? That 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 is a strikingly handsome man. Hmm. That that really is also impeccable hair. Did you ever watch a show called Sirens? Sirens. The English one or the American one? The English one. The English one. Yeah. I did. Oh, is that him? That's him. He, oh, wow, he was the gay, gay paramedic. I very, didn't very know good, that. Very good. Oh, yeah. okay. I have learnt something it was before today. Before he became all Lob Stark. Before, before he got all Starky. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I feel like I have been enlightened today. I've learnt something. And, you know, it's important to educate and inform with your yeah. entertainment. So. Knowledge is power. Knowledge is power. This show is doing well. So, <laughs> <laughs> this has been a Candy Store production for On Screen. I've been Van Connor. I have been Casey. And we'll be back next week. Just show me the way to get out of here and I'll be on my way. You've been listening to Offscreen. For more news and reviews, visit onscreenfilm.com. Podcast extras time, Mr. Allen. So, shall we? Uh, shall we uh, have a look at uh, despite the falling snow, which we didn't get to yeah, into the yeah. live show? Uh, this is uh, <laughs> this is all over the the underground. Everywhere you go in uh, on the underground, there are posters for this everywhere. And uh, so, this stars Rebecca Ferguson. And I'll be honest, um, for the first sort of week that I saw these posters, I wasn't paying attention to it, and I thought it was Ashley Judd. Really? Yeah, which kind of says I'm far too old. But I remember Ashley Judd being a face that you could put on movie posters. Clearly, I am old. They don't look anything alike. On the poster, she kind of does. (laughs) In the way that they both have eyes and a nose. In the way that they're both made up of 90% water. Eighty. Yeah. What's the human body made of? Eighty percent. Seventy. Seventy percent. Well, yeah, the body's both seventy percent water. That's science with off screen. <laughs> science with off screen. Yeah. So this is uh, written and directed by Shamin Saraf, who is also the author of the book upon which the film is based. Now, breathe into that what you will.
This is the story of a female spy in Cold War Moscow, who is a, she's stealing she's stealing secrets on behalf of the Americans in order to curry favor and defect. She begins a relationship with a sort of up and coming diplomat played by Sam Reed. Sam Reed is it Sam Reed or Sam Riley? I always get the two confused. It is come on, Tom. It's Sam Reed. Okay, Sam Reed, Sam right. Riley again, Sergeant York. Anyway, <laughs> and uh, the. Her handlers insist that she starts to use this relationship in order to mine yet more secrets. This leads to the pair becoming separated for decades, until years later, in the 90s, Sam Reed's character has now grown up to become Charles Dance, which I must say is doing him a real disservice. <laughs> and uh, Charles Dance's niece, who's also played by Rebecca Ferguson... She plays two characters in this. Okay. Decides to visit Moscow now that the cold, now that the Berlin, now that the Berlin Wall's down. Communism is no more. She's going to visit Moscow and find out what happened to Aunt Katya. We have a clip. Where did you grow up? Here, in Moscow. Many different apartments, different families. What happened to your parents, Katya? Nothing more than what happened to millions of families. They were anti-Stalinists and open about it. They were punished for their opinions. Everybody was. What is your opinion now? Now I'm a proud communist. Crimes of one man don't negate a whole ideology, do they? How old were you? Eleven. So sorry, Katya. Yeah. Just gonna put it out there, by the way. Um, if that, it, when, when, if and when we do finally get that Banana Man movie, Sam Reed. I'm just telling you here and now, Sam Reed for Banana no, Man. Banana He's man got before. that jaw. He's got the jaw perfectly. Right. So back to more serious concerns. Uh, right. So Rebecca Ferguson is exactly as excellent as you'd expect her to be in this film. Um, there are fundamental, fundamental issues with it, however, and those issues start pretty much the minute the opening credits come up, and it looks suspiciously like a TV movie, because. That's what it feels like throughout. It never builds itself beyond the momentum of mm. Sunday night, nine o'clock, BBC Two, and and that's a real problem. It has nothing beyond that. You can you can quite clearly tell. And you know what? This is uh, this is for those Guardian readers who read the novel ten years ago, who uh, have uh, forgotten about it, but talked about it at cocktail parties and would really like to be reminded of it. So he, here's it on BBC Two at nine o'clock on a Sunday night. And now you can discuss it at more cocktail parties. <laughs> Enjoy the canapes. You know, it's one of those. Um, now, uh, Shamin Sarif is uh, Sarif. Shamin Sarif, sorry, um, can handle the directorial side of it. it. It looks engaging. It's all soft focus and candles. It's one of those. You know what I mean? The whole thing. <laughs> The that should just be a genre to itself. Soft focus and candles. Yeah. It so is. Yeah, biography, historical epic. <laughs> exactly. Yes, you get it there. Yeah. Uh, soft focus and candles is very much that. And the only problem is his writing is so uh, empty. It's so. It's kind of a non event. It's it's like asking for a duvet and being handled, handed a tissue. You know what I mean? It's. Yeah, you see, I mean, in terms of, I'm talking about in terms of in terms of bulk and thickness. Mm. It's it's just it's one of those films in which people say a lot, but it's, people speak a lot, but don't actually say anything. And, and yet, when it gets to those, let's bundle each other into cars in a hurry and drive down the street at speed, mm. you're expected to be excited because you could not care less about any of these characters, other than the fact that Rebecca Ferguson's playing one of them, or well, two of them actually, quite well. Fine. Although I will say, interestingly enough, Rebecca Ferguson, it seems, can play in her forties and in her twenties equally well, which is surprising. Yeah. Although the uh, a good range, yeah, the funked up twenty-something uh, version from the. You know, the, the 1990s era, which is like a, a, a bookend kind of thing. It's, like, oh, okay. it's a framing device. Also, <laughs> this is yet another film, and this this irks me. This is one of my pet peeves. This irks me. Um, it's one of those films in which 
because everybody is Russian, they speak in perfect estuary English. And the only reason you of know course. it, they're all played by English actors as yeah. well, and the only reason you know they're Russian is because they wear roll neck jumpers and leather jackets and overcoats. Is it a triple nine kind of a... Very much so. But it's yeah. about the point that Anthony Head turns up. Full Rusky. Oh, Tony Head's in it. T- Tony Head Tony turns Head. up. Tony. Did you know he had an album out, by the way? Yeah, I did actually. Anthony Head yeah. has an album out called Staring at the Sun. In, in, in which he, he plays some original songs, but he also does some covers, including Staring at the Sun. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, uh, also, he's behind Blue Eyes is on there. That's off topic, though. Never mind. <laughs> does, so. does he do a good, good uh, Roger Daltrey? He does a very good... You've yes. heard it. If you've seen Buffy, you've heard it. But oh. uh, it is in Buffy, yeah. So, as I say, the problem is, it's a TV movie, and you can't help but watch it and think, why wouldn't I just tell people to wait until it's on TV? And the answer mm. is, I, I would just tell people that. Just don't bother forking over your money for this. Just... You know, sit down for half an hour and wait for it to appear on BBC Two. It will. You know this will. So some film news to round out the week then. Oh, just been quite a lot, hasn't it? There have been. Um, have you heard about? Uh, have you heard about uh, Wesley Snipes' new gig? This, no, this I've amused not. the hell out of me. Is it? Is it him going back to jail? No, no, no. Right. So Wesley Snipes is going to star in a movie with Anne Heche. Oh, and right. uh, <laughs> brace yourself for this. <laughs> it's called Temple. And it is the it is the latest project from WWE Studios. It's also then going to co-star Yay. the wrestler Seth Rollins, and they are a team of uh, of military scientists who find themselves locked in an army facility, a military facility, a remote military facility, when the AI running it gets shut down right. and besieged by the paranormal. Because, of course, wow. Because dot, 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 WWE. This could oh, be amazing. I'll watch it. I've only seen one WWE film, as far as I'm aware. Which, that which was, one? Uh, the Call. Oh, you saw the worst one. Everyone knows. I was dragged to that. I was uh, dragged to that. Everyone film. knows the best WWE movie is uh, John Cena's 12 Rounds, directed by Rennie Harlan. Which I've never seen. You've never seen that? I should watch it. Th- there are sequels. That they really are. Are they um, John Cena-less? I think they are Cena-less. Cena-less. But, uh, never mind. So, did you see the Sam Rock? Did you hear the Sam Rockwell interview this week? This last week. He was on the most recent episode of the Nerdist podcast. No, I saw him on Stephen Colbert. Right, so he appeared on Nerdist, and he he dropped a little bombshell that no one was quite prepared for. Oh, yeah? What was this? Which is, well, he gave us a bit of history that we weren't aware of. Which is, namely, that not only were we actually properly going to get a Galaxy Quest sequel... But all of the cast were actually in the process of arranging their schedules to return for it. And the old, and it would have been happening right now. They would have been filming this but right now. But of course, of Alan Rickman, Alan Rickman oh. died. And that is just yeah. one of that's, life's cruel jokes. That, that really it? is. That that is that's as if losing Alan Rickman wasn't bad enough. We now get kicked that. in the teeth all over again because it turns out we would have gotten nobody Galaxy would Quest want that sequel without him. No, I, w- I wouldn't. That's the thing. I never want to see a Galaxy Quest. Anything would do with Galaxy Quest without Alan Rickman in it. Mm. But uh, right here is the, this is either complete fiction right. or just bizarre casting. <laughs> Right, so you know who's Nick Nick Cage playing now? <laughs> Nick Cage will be playing Harry S. Truman in the upcoming. <laughs> no, he's playing FDR. He's playing FDR in the wheelchair. Of course, prosthetic he is. chin. No, he he, <clears throat> he is the wheelchair. He's playing the wheelchair. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, mind you, you say that I, I watched an episode of Supernatural this last week, told entirely from the perspective of the car. So that car is popular, though, man. Yeah, people love that car. You know, when I subscribed to Loot Crate, they actually sent me a toy of the car once. 
Really? That's yeah. that's pretty cool. It was, it's a little matchbox toys. They, yeah. they sent a special one of the, the car from Supernatural. Wow. But uh, yeah. I'm sure I've still got it. It's one of the loot crates. But, uh, right, so, um, this, you know the Shane Black reboot of Predator, which is going to be called The Predator, Predator. because nothing says clever reboot like adding a the. I bet you that's what Batman's going to be called. Yeah, you know, you know, I I feel like we're gonna reach a stage when they do like a third reboot call for Weekend at Bernie's and just call it the Bernie's. <laughs> but it's gonna be the corpse and also Bernie Sanders. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but would anyone notice if it was Bernie Sanders? No, anyway, never mind. Uh, right. So the reboot call of Predator, which is called The Predator, which can be directed by Shane Black, co-written by Shane Black and Fred Decker, apparently. 50 Cent has been cast in it, or so oh. he claims. Now, the only word we have on this comes from 50 Cent. So I can't help but think this This kind of reminds me of when Ja Rule was talking up his, uh, his ongoing role in the Fast and Furious series, which nobody else could back up except Ja Rule. Ja Rule only yeah. had his own word, and I believe his exact words at the time were... Be, were of course I'm going to be in, in Fast and Furious 2, because Vin's my boy. And then... And now Tyrese is his boy. <laughs> Tyrese is his boy, so go away, Jar. And apparently what the kind of first name is Jar? Apparently. Oh, it's short for Jeffrey. <laughs> <laughs> Jeffrey Rule. <laughs> <laughs> but um, apparently the reason he wasn't in uh, Too Fast, Too Furious because he demanded too much money. Like, well, yeah. everyone did, to be fair. Well, Vin did. Vin but definitely did. Vin, his boy, did. <laughs> so Hugh Dancy, who most of us now know as uh, Will Graham mm. in the TV version of uh, Hannibal, which I know for a fact you only watched because Mads was in it. Uh, yeah. You only watched it because your boy, Mads. I'm live a fish, but mainly for Mads. <laughs> only because Mad Mick was in there. You, there's only Mad reason Mick. to watch <laughs> Oh, I can look at some great Please, ones please today. tell me they could cast him in a Mad Max sequel. Mad, Mad Mick, Mick in Mad Max. Oh, well, actually, that sounds like a really different kind of film there, yeah, it does. doesn't it? Yeah, let's, let's move on. Uh, what, what, what is, a film for a more specialised market. What is say. Will Graham up to? Will Graham is, has joined the cast of Fifty Shades Darker yeah, as the psychiatrist. I think he could definitely play a psychiatrist. Well, it's kind of an interesting inversion, given, you know, Hannibal. That is building quite a cast, actually. Yeah, it really is. Uh, and a good director as well. Well, you know what? I, I will be excited hmm. about it when they cast <laughs> Nicolas Cage. That's that's all I'm going to say. When they, as, when they... as what? Who, who would he be? Well, he's, he's Christian Grey's older brother, Steve Grey. Steve Gray. Steve Gray. <laughs> He's an ex-marine. <laughs> ex-marine, Steve Gray. But I want Nicholas Cage to have the long mullet that he has. That's the only way it works. Just have the long mullet. What is his Cameron Poe mullet? His Cameron? No, not the Cameron Poe mullet. I'm thinking of uh, what's the Drive Angry mullet? Is that oh, the one? That's a good mullet. That's a good mullet. We want Strikingly that. blonde. Strikingly blonde. Yeah. Yes. But never going to explain why this member of the Gray family. Oh, they're all adopted, aren't they? Oh, yeah, 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 the Grey yeah. family are all adopted isn't, isn't Rita Ora in... Rita Ora is in the sequel, so... Yeah. Ah, so right. is Max Martini, of course. Hercules Hansen from Pac yeah. Rim. But, uh, oh, Pac Rim. Pac Rim, man, Pac Rim. Do you think, do you think they're just going to, when they do the sequel, it's going to be like, mm. PR2, Atlantic Rim. Atlantic? Oh, I hope so, yeah. Mind you, wouldn't the Asylum sue, if that were the case? The Asylum did their oh, mobbuster they... Atlantic Rim when Pacific Atlantic. Rim came out. But that's what happens in the sequel. You have to, you have to move, don't you? have you? to invert it. You have to either invert it or go to London or, or go Pacific to Paris, Rim so. 2, Arctic Circle. Ooh. Oh, yes, please. Ooh, that just got... That just that just got real right there. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about uh, what else. We- oh, the Ryan Reynolds thing. That's been interesting this week. You know the Rosie Project. 
Yeah, this, this was going to be uh, Richard Linklater. This is the one Richard Linklater dropped out of, and he took mm. Jennifer Lawrence with him. Or did did he drop out and then she did? Or I was it the think way he was the way around because she's got like fifteen projects all on. Yeah, well, apparently the reason she dropped out that one was because she wanted the time off. Right, she wanted a break. That's oh, why it makes she sense, dropped that. She's got fifteen projects. Exactly, yeah. and then uh, Ryan Reynolds. Uh, uh, Ryan Reynolds is now apparently circling this project as, as a starring vehicle, but the problem they're having is scheduling him because it turns out. <laughs> Rai Ray, you see, Rai Ray, Rai Ray, Rai Ray, Rai Ray. Ray, you see, was was in this this film recently that oh, yeah. a, a couple of people really liked. Was it called Criminal? Oh, it was. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was Criminal. Totally. Yeah, that's that's how that movie's going to get remembered. Yeah, Rai Ray really ringing in the crowds there. Mm. Now that uh, that that movie. Hey, yeah, I wanna shoot, baby, shoot. Deadpool. That's the one. <laughs> <laughs> it's been so long since we played it. It's been so long. So yes, Ryan Reynolds in Deadpool, of course, uh, brought in the crowds, and now they have to make a sequel because that's the law of film. Mm. And scheduling around that, you see, because it doesn't have a release date yet, so they, they're kind of working. Oh, it. oh doesn't it? Well, it, it's got it, mm. it's it's happening, but it doesn't have an officially sort of Fox of given out two dates. I forgot what the exact ones are. It's mm. something like October 2017 and then January 2018 as like yeah. event Marvel films. Yeah, so, which was, well, so one of them yeah. is an X-Men. One of them is X-Men. One right? of them is one X-Men. Yeah. So we're like, you know, X-Men, you know, bathroom remodeling. Well, we've been working on the X-Force film for a while. Well, yeah, they have, so. yeah. I do feel like the X-Men franchise is going to reach a point when you've got an entire team just spending an entire movie just remodelling a bathroom. It's got to get to that stage, hasn't it? It's going to get to that but stage. But you just get Quicksilver to do it, and it'd be done in four minutes. Yeah, very true. Less, probably. Depends yeah. how big the bathroom is. Well, yeah, very true. Uh, so, yeah, so they're just trying to balance Deadpool 2 and, and this film in order to get it made. That's the problem. Ryan Reynolds is too popular. He's also got that one, Life, from the writers of Deadpool, which the, he's working the on. The Mars film. The Mars film, with Rebecca Ferguson. Oh, yeah. Becky Ferguson. Becky Fergs. Becky Fergs. I would love her to be Miss Marvel. Yeah? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, I really want Ronda Rousey. No, you're wrong. No, I want Ronda Rousey. She can't act. Okay, I want Gina Carano then. She can act better. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think it's going to be Natalie Dormer. You think Natalie Dormer? And I'd be cool with that. Yeah, I'd, I'd be I'd, I'd be honest, I'm cool with seeing Natalie Dormer in more or less anything. I think we need someone that's around that age, and I can just I can just see her doing that the kind The problem of with having anyone as Ms. Marvel is you... you oh, sorry, Ms. Marvel, Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel is you you yeah. kind of need someone that looks like she can go toe-to-toe with Captain America, but also withstand being hit on mercilessly by, by Robert Downey Jr. I think... Both of those ladies would work. Yeah, I think Rebecca Ferguson would probably pull it off better than Dormer, if I'm honest. She could definitely kick my ass. So, speaking of uh, women who can kick ass, of course, Charlize Theron is now officially the villain of Fast 8. Yeah, that's happening. uh, Which won't star Ja Rule. And (laughs) (laughs) we'll not... Get back, Jeffrey. (laughs) Get back, Jeff, come on. (laughs) But uh, no. who else is in that? Who's just been signed It's Scott Eastwood, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Like, wow. They're, yeah. they're just casting really, really ridiculously good-looking people in that movie. <laughs> Apparently, he's going to be the protege for Mr. Nobody, who was Kurt Who I believe was well, he was injured but not killed. So he's Yeah, because he, he had his mermaid vest on. He had his mermaid vest, so he's, mermaid he's probably vest. going to be back in a hospital bed or something. Well, yeah, he's going to be like, here's we, we've established We've established in this franchise that Kurt Russell just needs to get up from the hospital bed in his mermaid vest mm. and be like, Granddaddy's got to go to work, and then he just... You know, <laughs> flexes his way to making it burst, and yeah. then just leaves the room. That's Allah how it works. Dwayne Johnson. Allah Dwayne Johnson. It, yeah. And it turns out see, he's secretly Dwayne Johnson's father, and that Scott Johnson, uh, Scott Johnson, Scott Eastwood is secretly his brother. Oh, that's, that'd be a good. Support. This is how it's going to work. Yeah. Because you know, there's no Paul Walker anymore, so we need to invent new storylines. And I feel like this franchise could pull that off. 
Definitely. Like, it could happen. I'd be like, yeah, that works. They brought Michelle Rodriguez back from the dead. I'm telling you now, they could make Kurt Russell the Rock's dad. That that could totally happen. <laughs> Who would be his mum? Uh, Linda Carter. Okay. I'm just spitballing here. I'm just, just yeah. throwing names. Or oh, Jane Seymour, that's my answer We've to everything. We've not spoken to F. Gary Gray. He's, no. he's not signed off on this script. Whoa, 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 whoa. What you got against Gary Gray, man? Nothing, I'm just saying. We've, and why are you saying F. Gary Gray? <laughs> why can't Antoine Fuqua? <laughs> we need a Fuqua film. We do need a Fuqua film, we do. Mm. Uh, although he's busy with Train Day of the series. So, oh, here's another one. This is like obvious news that's now been confirmed. And you're like, really? Really? Cillian <laughs> uh, uh, Murphy. He's going to be in Dunkirk. Well, they're best is, friends. Yeah, with, you know, the, being directed by Christopher Nolan. And... <laughs> is Michael Caine going to be in it as well? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that, do you know that's the only one that hasn't come up yet? Come on, that's got to happen. Like, Mark Rylance is there. Ken Branagh's there. Um, sorry, Sir Ken. Mm. Uh, uh, what do you call him? Tom Hardy's in it, I think? Tom Hardy's uh, in it, yeah. And now, and, and uh, Harry Styles is in it. And Harry Styles is in it, because no movie can be completely perfect. And uh, and <laughs> now Cillian Murphy. There is some uh, some Mark Rylance news. Oh, go on. What's the Mark Rylance one? He is reteaming with uh, his boy, uh, Senor Spielbergo, again. Uh, because... Stevie Spiel. Stevie Spiel. <laughs> Stevie Spiel. Go on, what for? Um, I forgot what it's called. It's the kidnapping of someone, and he's playing a 19th century pope. Brilliant. Yeah. Oh, oh, hang on. I had a couple. Um, Elton John has entered talks to star in Kingsman, The Golden Circle. Yes. Because he's not letting Paul McCartney have that idea to himself, starring in Pirates of the Caribbean 5. Did anybody really ask for this? He's decided he's going to uh, he's going to go and enter talks for Kingsman. Uh, I, I don't know why, but I just feel like maybe Elton John just wants to get away for a few weeks. There might be a reason. There for might that. be. I feel like Elton John just might want an impromptu working holiday. I don't, yeah, maybe. I'll, I can't really formulate out. why, but I just just I hope, feel I like that, I get that vibe. I hope he is playing piano, and his piano has rockets. I hope so too. He's an actual rocket man. Uh, as do I. An <laughs> actual rocket man. <laughs> oh, and that franchise that nobody can clearly nobody cares about anymore. The what, Underworld. <laughs> yeah, the Underworld franchise. Oh, it's got a title, hasn't it? It's got a title. What is Blood it? Wars. Right. <laughs> They've all been blood wars. This is where Everyone it has been blood wars. This is where it becomes the most depressing thing imaginable. First of all, this sequel was filmed last year. Oh really? In Prague. They got Theo James and Charles Dance and Kate Beckinsale and the like yeah. to, to Prague last year and filmed this. So what they've been doing with it in the meanwhile, I don't know. It doesn't have a release date. It's just sitting just sitting there. Sitting on a shelf. And uh, do you know who's, how who's made it? Is oh, it? It's, she's the effects supervisor on some of the other ones. Oh, so Len is Len's busy. Oh, Len's busy. So this is this is someone's debut, but it's from the writer of the Last Witch Hunter, Corey Goodman, I believe. So you know, pedigree, cinematic right, yeah, pedigree in there. Yeah. Uh, but here's what I really love about it. Do you know how they arrived at that title? No. It was a Facebook contest to name <laughs> the new Underworld movie. <laughs> Does the person who comes to do they get a prize or like a? I don't know. Do they get to be like an extra or something? I don't. I don't. Would you want to be an extra? <laughs> I don't know. But here's what I'm thinking: if you're asking people for title suggestions, just come up with a word starting with R. That's that's it. That's you what you need an R subtitle. You need a resurgence. Resurgence in front resurgence. of retaliation. Reinsertion, and. <laughs> That just sounds graphic. Yes, it does. Needlessly graphic. Let's talk about some more film news. <laughs> what um, the 21 Jump Street to Men in Black uh, crossover. Oh, yeah. Why? 
First of all, good news. Go on. James Bobbin is going to be making it, and I really like James Bobbin. Okay, James Bobbin's That's fine. Cool. He's a good man. Uh, it's got an official title. Do you know what it is? Would you mm. like to hazard a guess? MIB 23. You're kidding me. MIB 23. That that's, Actually, do you know what? That might be the most inspired thing about it. Mm. Oh, I don't know. Are they going to use 23 Jump Street from the movie? Because we, we've already seen 23 Jump Street. It's being built in 22 Jump Street. What is it? What, what, Do you remember? It's it coming soon. Twenty three Jump Street. It says on the sign across the street from twenty two. Yeah, but what what was the building? Because it was it was a church. And... I don't know. I think it's actually like an apartment building that's being built. Oh. But oh. Uh, no. So nothing else. We got anything else? I I am all out. Well, <laughs> that's a bit that's of it. an anticlimax. I feel like there was let something me, else. Let me try and uh, the guy that did Ninety Nine Homes has got a new film. Oh, yeah, what has he got? Uh, Fahrenheit four five one. Oh, the Bradbury adaptation. Mm. Well, that's been coming for years. It has, but yeah. So, no, d- don't take that as actual news then, because everybody's been attached to direct Fahrenheit 451 at some point or other. There, there was a time when Mel Gibson was going to direct Fahrenheit 451. A trailer for his new film, Dropping yes, Day. Did I you see that? that yeah. What is it? Something Father. Uh, the Good Father? Uh, Dark Father? Something? I forget. But... Blood Father? I think Blood Father? Blood Father? I forget, but I hope he's back. I miss Gibson. I do. I miss Mel Gibson, the movie star. <laughs> yeah, okay. Really? Do you never like go back and watch old Mel Gibson movies and just be like, yeah, that sometimes, was a star? Sometimes. I, I did watch Ransom recently. Did you watch Ransom? Yeah. Oh, I want to rewatch Ransom so bad. Two I watched about six months or so ago now. Um, I watched uh, Bird on a Wire with Mel Gibson oh, and yeah. Goldie Horn. Oh, I That's love that right. movie. That, that, is a sh- that is a good old-fashioned schlocky 90s <laughs> yeah. action comedy, really. I, I love that. Mm. I want to say, by the way, you know uh, the Idris Elba film Bastille Day that's out next week? Yes. Do you not kind of wish that had been called something else and they'd <coughs> reserved the title of Bastille Day for when they'd really run out of ideas for the whole New Year's Eve, Valentine's Day, <laughs> Mother's, Mother's Day, Day kind yeah. of thing? And they just had, like, you know, an all-star cast in a Gary Marshall film, Bastille, Bastille Day, Day, in which a bunch of random things happen in France. Just loads of French people. Yeah. Just being like, what? Just a load of French we? people. Vincent, get- Vincent Cassell's just like, I'm yeah. just getting paid. Vinnie Cass turns yeah. up. Uh- is, he, is he French? I don't. Know. I, I'm just assuming that he is. You know, I, there's, hang on, who's he married to now? Vincent Cassell's married to Monica Bellucci. Last time I checked. In real life, yeah. As far as I know, that's that's some news. Did you know that? I didn't know that. No. I'm pretty sure. I'm gonna I'm gonna IMDb this to check. I'm sure Vincent Cassell was married to Monica Bellucci because uh, who's the one I'm thinking of? Uh, Hispanic actor who's everywhere nowadays from No Country for Old Men. Uh, Javier Bardem. Javier Bardem is yeah. married to Penelope Cruz, isn't he? Yes, they've been yeah. married for a long, long time. And they are kind of alternates of each other. It's so weird. Yeah, a little you know bit. Yeah. Here we are. On his IMDb listing, actually lists spout Monica Bellucci. Ah, well, they're separated now. Oh, well, that was out. They have two kids together. Cool. So it means you know you can see Vincent Cassell and and Michael Bellucci in the same room on occasion. Yeah, but they probably won't be in the film just together. usually just usually in the forecourt of a Burger King. You know. Handing over the kids, and I can't find any more news that we haven't spoken about oh, other than I, news I, for TV. I don't know. I have just discovered something amazing, though. Before we What's cut, to, before we go to the moment of cage, I'm going to leave you with the greatest piece of trivia that you've never known. Try me. Do you want to guess? <laughs> you won't guess this at all. Do you want to guess <clears throat> the name of Vincent Cassell's brother? Tony. Tony Cassell. Well, no, his birth name is uh, Matthias Cassell. Really? His actual name that he's credited under, which might be the single greatest name I have ever heard assigned to a human being, and I mean bar none, his actual usable name 
is rocking squat. That is an actual thing. <laughs> you can look this up. Rocking, without the G and apostrophe in its place, rocking. squat. As, as in, in, I'm in the gym I'm doing, doing squats. squats. Yeah, rocking squat. That is Vincent Cassell's brother. As he dropped the Cassell? That's just his name. He just goes by rocking just squat. Just rocking squat. Like, first name rocking, second name as squat. In, I was hitting the gym. I just rocking squats. Exactly, yeah. So, on his driver's license, it's, you know, first name rocking, second name squat. There you go. That, that, that's an actual thing. I presume he's a musician or something. <laughs> you kind of hope he's a musician and like a pediatrician. He's nearly as good as Ned Rock and Roll. He's nearly as good. <laughs> Just imagine that. Rocking Squat. I hope he's got to be a musician. You would not have that name. And, he's and got to be a musician or a record producer. Or I'm telling you, if he's a pediatrician, I'm going to love that. <laughs> <laughs> I made my appointment with Dr. Squat. I'm, I'm done for the day. Let's play Moment Cage. Just some terrorists decide to send a little care package. Box of goodies which had to be neutralized before blowing up the office. So I took the rest of the day off. Glass of wine, little guitar, just relaxing. Wow. I mean it, honey. The world is being fenexed to hell on a handcart. I really believe that anyone who's even thinking about having a child in this world is coldly considering an act of cruelty. I know, I'm rambling, I'm complaining, I'm sorry. What's your news, baby? I'm pregnant. I'm sorry? 